Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Today's episode features myself, Jean Galea, joined by Brian Lee Jackson from WorkUp.com, which is his main blog, and he's also the director of inbound marketing at Kinsta. Me and Brian discuss a lot of interesting stuff. He's been involved in a ton of different things online, from WordPress plugins to being a power seller on eBay, a super seller on Flippa, having a web hosting company, starting a, web, a gluten-free blog, and also a personal finance blog. So we're going to discuss all that and more in this episode. So keep tuned and enjoy the episode with Brian Jackson. All right, Brian, welcome to mastermind.fm. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're going to start off the bat by having you give us a little introduction about who you are and what your experience on the web has been so far. Sure, yeah. So currently I work full-time for, I'm the director of inbound marketing at Kinsta, and we're a high-performance high managed WordPress host. We deal with normally um, larger sites with lots of traffic, um, enterprise clients, more on the higher end. Um, we do have a lot of bloggers too, but uh, they're more, you know, you know, a couple million visitors a month, that type of, those types of bloggers. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the side, I blog on, on WorkUp. Um, I also help develop a WP coupons plugin, and I also run a gluten-free blog, a bunch of other websites I kind of have my hands into at the moment. All right. Tell us about the beginnings, because you've spoken about what you're currently doing, but I, I mean, I'm very interested in how you started off everything. So I, I think you've been doing stuff since college. So you started quite earlier on uh, with web work. Yeah, actually, it started even it started in grade school, to be honest. I mm-hmm. think uh, my family didn't originally have a lot of money um, and uh, we got a computer late, I guess, compared to all yeah. of our peers. And I remember we bought that first compact computer from, I think it was CompUSA at the time, which is now out of business. Um, but mm-hmm. we brought that home, fired up the dial-up internet. And I think the original thing I found was eBay. And this was like in the very early days when eBay was just like trying to figure out what they were doing even. And um, I sold, I remember selling something from my room. It was like, something I didn't need, a, I think it was a CD or something. And that, mm. that moment when I first made money on the internet, like by myself, without my parents, like that was the time where like, it pretty much changed everything for me. Um, I realized- The magic moment. The magic yeah. moment for me, yeah. And I, that was, I think in fifth or sixth grade. Um, so I've been right. just like, from the get-go, I don't know what it is, but my mind's always been like, if I can make money on the internet, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, yep. And from there on... And that would have been uh, mid-90s, I guess, right? Yeah, mid-90s, yeah. So we were doing the f- even the free dial-up, trying to get 10 hours free mm-hmm. a month, that crazy net zero <laughs> stuff here in the States. It's ridiculous stuff I remember. Uh, I don't even know how, if you think back, how we, people even survived on dial-up. Like, we get frustrated now on slow, <laughs> <laughs> slow internet. But it's crazy. But, I mean, since then, I started dilly-dallying with... Um, reselling DVDs and stuff. And I actually mm-hmm. did that for a couple of years and made quite a bit of money. Um, I remember walking in with $1,500 in cash into a computer store buying my first laptop with the money I wow. I made reselling dropshipping DVDs on eBay. Nice. Um, and that actually eventually pushed me to power seller status on eBay. Um, mm-hmm. And after that... And for those who, who are not familiar with power seller status? Uh, power seller... What's that involved? Yeah, it's, it's basically... Um, there's different ranges of sellers on there. 
um, based on mm -hmm. how the volume you sell. Um, and power seller, I mean, you're, you gotta be pushing out a couple hundred products a month to, to get there. Um, and right now I think my profile has like, I think it's like over 1600 feedback on it. Um, right. all hundred percent, which I was proud of. Um, and after the drop shipping thing kind of phased out, like there was a time where it was just super, super hot. Um, and mm -hmm. then it, you know, things on the internet always change and it kind of just, yep. it got super competitive. Everyone found out they could do that on eBay and it just tanked. <laughs> um, so I went into like web hosting and computer stuff and throughout, um, early high school, college, I was building computers, custom computers and selling them on eBay. And I was shipping them all over the world. Super, super fun. I remember my mom helping me in the evenings. Um, packing up boxes and I was shipping stuff to Japan, like custom built computers. Um, and she would take it down to the post office for me. We had a whole system down. It was awesome. Nice. Um, and after the computer thing, I, I realized that was a crap ton of work and I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and things would break, you know, you'd have Ram go bad. It's a, it was a lot worse in those days than it is now. You'd have components go bad yeah. all the time. And it was just, I was burning myself out and I was only in high school. So it was bad. <laughs> um, so then I don't. And so just just to stop you there, because I'm seeing sure. one important trend here. It's like you notice that there is this, uh, you know, this trend of ups and downs in web work. You know, there's the there's these trends of eBay. Now, right now we have the trend to do Amazon stuff. And back then it was eBay, then that got phased out. There was a time when everybody was doing web hosting. Yep. And so it seems like you kind of know when these trends are at their highest point and when they start waning and you're quick to move out of that niche into something better. And I was wondering whether you had some tips on how you managed to notice that something is like going down and how, how to spot what's next, what's the biggest thing now? I mean, part of it is, I guess, based on sales to some of it. So for like the drop shipping mm -hmm. CDs and DVDs, you could just yeah. tell on eBay, like you could see competitors or guys do, selling the exact same thing and you just knew they were getting it from the same place you were getting it from. <laughs> and so people just started copying everybody. And so that one right. was easier to tell. Um, mm -hmm. The computer thing was actually more of a, when you do stuff online, you'll figure out like, where your time is best spent. And that was more of a time thing. Like I, I figured like there's better ways to make money with less time involved. Um, yep. and so that's kind of why I got rid of that one. And then I, in early college, I was more into the web hosting thing. Cause it was like, I can do this from my computer. You know, I don't have to build anything. Um, and I eventually, I built that up to, it was probably a good, you know, couple hundred domains. I think it was, I don't remember five, 700 domains at one point. It was a lot. And it got to the point where I actually didn't know at that time, I didn't have enough skill of how to outsource stuff mm -hmm. and yep. I didn't want to, I'm, I'm very picky and that's been one of my, my downfalls. <laughs> Even today, it's one of my downfalls. I don't like to outsource things cause I'm very picky and I didn't do that correctly. And so I ended up selling it because I couldn't handle going to classes at college and, mm -hmm. um, handling the support tickets. And I just, yep. I couldn't figure that out at that time. And so I ended up selling the whole company kind of took away a wad of cash and uh, stuck, stood back from that. But then, you know, like a week later, I'm looking on the internet, what, what else can I make money now? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it, it was just a never ending thing with me. And so I, I started diving into flipping websites and that's kind of where the IT bros, which was a, 
um, a blog where we started blogging about Windows stuff. Um, yeah, kind of was born. And did you sell that web hosting company on Flippa, or was it a private deal outside of uh, the market? Yeah, that was originally back on Flippa, um, and that was uh -huh. in the early days of Flippa. They didn't have like escrow and all that crazy stuff back then. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember how the transaction took place now, but yeah, it was. It was on Flippa. So then you got the intro to doing other stuff on Flip, I guess, from that first sale. Exactly, yeah. After that, I uh, started that IT Bros blog. Um, yep. Did that for a while. Um, a couple years later, ended up selling that on Flippa too. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of my regrets now because yep. I've learned on the web, if you hold on to things and just keep building it, if you keep at it, you almost can't fail, really, to be honest, unless you're doing something really wrong. And so... I don't flip as much as I used to, um, unless it's like the end game for that site. And so, you know, I, I could have, I sold it for like, I think it was 10 K, which for me at mm -hmm. that time was a lot of money. And now it's, that's not a lot of money <laughs> anymore. Yes. Um, at least in my mind, I've um, passed that level, I guess now. And yeah. you know, I, it, it could be making me a lot of money passively right now if I had kept it. Mm -hmm. So, and this was uh, quite a few years ago. Cause I remember when I had started WP mayor. Um, you had even taken part in some competition. So I guess you probably started maybe a, a year or two later than me with IT bros. And I guess even back then it was quite easier to rank for things. Like right now there's so much competition and content. But back then it was easier to rank and establish yourself as one of the leading authorities in, the, your, in your chosen niche. So it was, yeah. Having a website at that time and keeping it till now, it would, would be... A great idea, but and you learn from mistakes, I guess. Yep, yep. I've made a lot of mistakes. I think I think anyone that works on the internet can say, if they haven't made mistakes, they're lying to you because the only way to learn on the internet is by making mistakes. Um, and the great thing about that blog, that why it did really well too, it was it was easier to rank back then too, for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I was working at a at the help desk there at the college. That was my main job. I spent a lot of hours there, and I would blog what I figured out how to do at my work. And that's actually yeah. always, I've always had some type of website that I've done that. Even, even now with my marketing workup blog, you know, I blog in the evenings about what I do during the day or what I figured out. Mm -hmm. um, right. That's Google always loves tutorials. As you know, from WP Mayor, I mean, you do tons of tutorials yep. too. It's, um, it, it just works and it will always work. And I think I find it very rewarding just to write about things I learn. You know, first of all, it helps me to um, just learn stuff and remember things better. And I find it rewarding to just learn stuff and then share them with the rest of the world, especially when you get feedback on whatever you've written about. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so I just wanted to touch also on, on, on the point you mentioned, which I guess the, the, the outsourcing and your like tight control on whatever you're working on. And I guess this is also something that a lot of us struggle with. However, in your case, you do a lot of this work together with your brother, Brett. And so I was wondering, uh, like maybe you're, you find it hard to outsource, but you do have this kind of help on the side with, with Brett, right? Correct. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that and people see, mm -hmm. I do online, like the coupons plugin, my workup blog, um, our gluten-free site. A lot of people might not know, but my brother is actually fifty-fifty partner with me, and he's more of a web developer guy. He likes to stay behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He hates Twitter. He thinks the whole thing is stupid. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> He'd rather code or do something like that than spend time on Twitter and Facebook. 
Um, and so he's kind of the perfect partner because I kind of like doing that other stuff. Yeah. And um, we do outsource a lot of stuff um, on the mar- on the our workup site. Um, I, we do write mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff ourselves. We don't really outsource on that one for the some of our other sites. We do, and that's been a trick. Actually, this last this last year in 2016, I figured out a lot of tricks on outsourcing that I I just had to finally say I can't do this. I need to figure out a way to save time, and so I finally dove into that relinquish some of my own control and it turned out really well like i was really happy with it um we actually found a lot of good writers on iWriter, which mm-hmm. there's a lot of crap on there too but i would say if anyone wants to find writers go on iWriter, put the same article on there um and give it to like 20 different writers if you can afford to if not give it to like five different writers and kind of pick the best one from that and then kind of repeat the mm-hmm. process until you have kind of couple good writers you can tell instantly how good they write and um then kind of work your way from there so right now i have like three good people on iWriter that i use and then i've met a couple people on there that actually now i work with more full-time that they kind of probably not supposed to tell iWriter this but (laughs) kind of took them off iWriter and i work with them privately directly now Right. But everything happened through iWriter, and so I definitely recommend checking iWriter out. And when you use these authors, would you skeleton, like make a skeleton for the post and have them flesh it out, or do you leave the whole thing to them to write? So what I'll do, I'm, I'm big on SEO, and so I'll always do the keyword research beforehand on what we write. Um, so basically, yeah. I give the writer, like, here's the keyword but i don't want you to write seo wise just write naturally but they still have the keyword in mind um yeah and then i tell them you know write natural this is not for google i want them to write like a normal person and then um pretty much i i leave it up to them for for everything else um the 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 hard part is finding those good writers really once you've done that it's it's a lot easier i think and would the writers be based in the U.S. or is it something international? Uh, two, two of them are actually from India. And uh, right. they, I would say once in a while they have some language issues. But actually, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, I think India has a bad rap for you know, outsourcing. And there are a lot of great, talented people over there. Um, working yeah. with WordPress more closely, the community this year, I've, I've learned that more. Like um, That there's a ton of talented people over there. And there's a lot of people that do believe in the importance of doing good work yeah i mean even uh, in, in the wordpress blogging blogosphere we have people like uh, davesh from uh, wp cube who's doing a really awesome job with his blog so clearly there is a lot of talent and they can write great content it's just that india is a, really a huge country with lots of people working online so yep it's it's really a mix of everything Interesting. So what else did you manage to outsource apart from content, if anything else? Um, one big thing for me over the last two years probably was kind of figuring out how to save some time on social media. Because mm-hmm. while social media does bring it does bring a lot of leads and sales for me, it doesn't bring the majority of it. It's like a small portion. And so for me, I'd rather focus on content or um, like on WorkUp, I still write a lot of the stuff myself. So I'd rather spend my time writing on there if I have to than on Twitter and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And so automating some of that was a big thing these last two years. And I, I finally have it down. I might not want to say this, but my Twitter and Facebook are automated at 100%. And I gain about 600 followers per month right now. 
hundred percent automated. I do send out funny tweets and stuff like when, when I have time and stuff I like to do, but I found a good, really good system and I don't mind sharing it with you. I'll just tell you what I use. Sure. Um, I use smarter queue for automated mm-hmm. posting. It's like, um, if you've heard of Edgar, it's kind of their competitor. Mm-hmm. Yep. The okay. thing I love buffer and they're a great company, but the thing where they fail at is they don't let you requeue up content. You have to go back there and requeue it up yourself. Um, and that, that ends up costing you more time. So, so it defeats the purpose. And they've, I've asked them about that feature and they've nixed the whole idea um, this earlier this year. So they're not planning on adding that at all. Mm-hmm. But smarter queue, I would say, you know, if you have a good 100 or 200 evergreen posts that you want to just keep resharing, you know, you add them up in the queue and it just keeps going through, going through, never stops. Right. Um, the trick with that is you don't want to only share your own content. And that's where this other third party thing called queue comes in. It's been pretty hot this year. It's Q-U-U-U, I think it is. Um, All right. We'll, we'll make sure to share it in the show notes. So maybe you can pass me the URL later. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and basically what they do is they, it's like a curated um, sharing thing. And they mm-hmm. only accept certain posts into their system. And then it automates going um, to your automated tool like Buffer or SmarterQ. And so basically what it has allowed me to do is automate sharing 70% third-party content, which is amazing. And then my other 30% of my content is automated as well. Hmm. Um, and what that does is it, I mean, pretty much you're sharing amazing content 24 seven and it's all automated. Very interesting. And so like this queue social media sharing thing, this gets content from third-party websites. And uh, so from where does this um, website get its content? I mean, like, say WP Mayor, would we need to register at this website to put our content into their system or is it something that they pick up on their own? So it's a, how it gets in there is actually uh, one of their other flips of the business is called Q Promote. And you actually have mm-hmm. to pay like, uh, I want to pay $20 to get this to go out over, you know, a reach of 20,000 Twitter accounts, basically. And okay. you get... Very clever idea. Yeah, it is a very clever idea. Like, the guy that came up with it, brilliant. He's going to make a ton of money. Um, he already is, I think. But um, And they approve all the stuff that goes in there. So it's very high quality content for internet marketers. Like, um, it, it works great. It, uh, their WordPress stuff they send out is amazing. Um, you know, they send out stuff from WPCube. I, they, I've seen your stuff go out over that too. Somebody else must have submitted it. I don't know who did, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and WPMU dev stuff, you know, stuff like that goes out. It's, it's mm-hmm. great stuff. Um, I've even used the promote myself and I mean, you get, I've sometimes I've gotten 400 clicks on one tweet from it. It it works really well. Um, Sometimes it's hard to track sales from conversions from that stuff. So, but it it does get you a lot of reach. Very interesting. And so just um, having a look at all the stuff you're doing online, what would you say is your main driving force between creating all this content? Is it like to make money? Is it sharing? Just that you love sharing stuff. Is there something that is behind all all the stuff you do online? Well, the it, when I first started out, it was really more of a because I like sharing stuff, and it eventually yeah. turned into a why wow, this could be a full time business. And so um, right now, it's really about building my passive income. Um, and so I've the good thing about my brother Brett um, is he's all about the money. He's all about the, like. 
he hates working no matter what job it is. He's an eight to five guy. Um, when he, that's done, he goes plays his Xbox. That's the type of guy he is. I'm the type of guy that will just work 24 seven unless you stop me. <laughs> um, but he's been a good partner as in he's made me sacrifice some of my, I guess my joy to realize we need to focus on the money. And mm-hmm. this year, you know, we've, we've grown our income from the passive side, like probably 30 times what it was last year at the same time. Um, and it's nice. focused on things like, you know, maybe it's okay to put an ad on here and your site runs a little slower. Maybe that's okay. Before, you know, I like, no, I, I don't want to do that. No ads. Um, but I've realized, you know, if it makes money, it makes money. And so sometimes there's a good balance between promotion ads, affiliate marketing, and other things like, you know, maybe a fast website or annoying people. There's a good balance between that. Nice. And so, and so I'm also looking at your Penny Bros website, which is a blog, which chronicles your getting rid of debt. And I guess since you already got, got rid of the debt going forward, what will you be writing about now? Yeah, that was a fun one because we posted, you can click into the debt reports on there and see we posted every single month for two years straight. Uh, never miss yeah. a month. And so that was a big we wanted to have those debt reports going forward for the site because we do right now we're planning on doing a bunch of other like how to invest your money with Betterment, which is a online investing tool. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something with that. Um, there's another post I'm writing actually right now, how to get free cell phone insurance with a certain credit card. Yeah. Um, and it is little hacks like money hacks kind of a thing that we've learned over the last couple of years of how to save more money. He did one like on this Best Buy reward program. He, he does all these crazy tricks on how to save money with video games and all these coupons and all crazy stuff. I don't even know what it's about because he's a gamer, but um, stuff like that, basically how to save more money. And so that's, that's kind of our third site right now. We have the workup marketing site, the gluten-free site and mm-hmm. Penny Bros is our third site. So right now we're really focusing on these three sites, um, hopefully for the next five years. I mean, hopefully we're not planning on launching anything else for a while, forever. <laughs> And do the, do the three of these blogs have like substantial traffic and make money? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I won't say what we make, but they, it, it yeah. makes quite a bit of money. It, um, the workup one obviously makes the most money and that one has a lot of content that I've been, I've moved over from other domains from years past, like yeah. the migrate of other stuff from years. Um, that one gets a little over a hundred thousand visitors a month. And then nice. the, our gluten-free site, we're right at the 150,000 visitors a month. And we're excited for that one because we started that last year. And it's 100% wow. organic traffic. We don't pay for stuff. So we've grown that. I mean, it. we've grown that very fast, but we put in so many hours. This would be mind-blowing if you think about it. Like every night, we're just grinding, grinding. It's, it's, some nights, we just want to kill ourselves, <laughs> to be honest. But it, it'll be worth it in the end. And it does make good money. Like we've seen growth from the income every single month we you know we watch that every month so and how do you make money on the no gluten website is it ads or something else the gluten one so our workup one is more of affiliate it's more probably yeah. it's really close to probably what your wp mayor site is it's sponsorships yeah. affiliate marketing all that sort of stuff um and then our gluten-free site is more adsense site which yeah. is exciting because it's a different i don't like to put all my eggs in one basket and so that's kind of a different mm-hmm. different type of site um, and it's really based on the more traffic you get, the more money you get. <laughs> it really doesn't even matter if you can, you don't have to convince them to buy something, which is kind of nice. I kind of like mm-hmm. 
the change from the affiliate stuff for once. It's really just yeah. click the ad, you make money. Um, but it is based on traffic. So you gotta be really good at getting traffic for that model to work. Um, and there's a few affiliate things on there too, but it's really 90% of it's AdSense. Um, and the Penny Bros as the Penny Bros does that make money as well. Uh, right now that's probably maybe 2000 visitors a month. So we're just getting that off the ground. We did those debt reports for two years without even worrying about, we didn't even care about money. We just, we want to have the proof that we, we know what we're talking about. We're debt free. And now we're going to share what we learned basically. Um, and that'll probably be a mixture to be honest of affiliate marketing with like investment tools and then AdSense as well. So it'll be kind of, we'll probably get a feel for what works on there. We're not sure yet. Yeah. I've seen lots of people in the finance industry use like affiliates, uh, affiliate links for say things like betterment and other platforms as well. So that would be, I guess, yeah, one of the ways th- to make money. I think it's important for people to try too, because I've tried AdSense on WorkUp and people mm-hmm. have probably seen me running ads on there before and I don't right now. And um, I've run tests and actually when I take AdSense off, I, wake, I make way more money from affiliate ads. I've, I've tested this a couple times now for months at a time and I always make more money without AdSense on there, which is funny. And it's just because I think you have prime real estate where certain banners are. And if you want your affiliate stuff to to convert, you want as many eyeballs on that stuff as possible. And so yeah. that top right banner, that's a big one there. And you know, below the post is another good one. Um, so having AdSense on there is almost more of a distraction on that type of a niche, I think. Coming back to the no gluten blog, do you think it's just the niche that's really good or did you do anything special to grow the traffic so fast? Um, a couple things. First off, I, a couple years ago, I developed ulcerative colitis. And I actually, um, it's similar to celiac disease, which you might've heard of that. And so I, I literally had to go gluten-free. Like I didn't have a choice. I was in the hospital and all sorts of medical stuff. And after going gluten-free, I was off all my medication. Like I haven't seen a doctor in years now. Um, so I'm a huge believer in, mm-hmm. in that as well, which I think it helps when you really enjoy what you're doing. Um, yep. and some of the content, I know it, I would say better than some other people just because I have to live gluten-free. And so I know that niche yeah. a lot better than if, say, another person wanted to try to copy me. You know, I, I probably know it better than him just right off the get-go. And then the outsourcing was the huge, one of the biggest things. Um, and if I ever start another site, it will be kind of in that same thing where I, I want to find a niche where I could outsource stuff. I think in our type of niche, like I don't advise people starting up WordPress blogs. It's, it's so competitive, like as you, I'm sure you yeah. know, like I don't start something else. Like there's way better niches out there because you almost have to like, you know, the dev on WP cube, I know he outsources a lot of stuff to like Brenda and a lot of great writers in the WordPress space, but he pays a lot of money for those writers too. They're not iWriter writers. They're not cheap writers. And it's, you need to find a niche where you can outsource to get cheaper articles. I think it's one one key to the success of that website. Um, Cause some articles on there, I'm paying $20 for a thousand word article. <laughs> mm. uh, and so that's why it's fine. You can't find that in the WordPress space for sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. For that, you're probably looking at least a hundred bucks um, or more sometimes. At least. Yeah. And so I think finding, finding the good writers on iWriter and then just giving them everything once you find the good ones, um, because you can charge yeah. them what iWriter 
or just everybody else. So it's that that's the key to the success on that site. And keyword research was everything is research before posting. But I, what, what do you think about the like the numbers of potential visitors? Because like lately I've been thinking about the WordPress niche in general and whether I could be doing something else with the same format of blog like WP Mayor, but in another niche as you've done with No Gluten. That is maybe a bigger niche. And uh, as you said, like the competition in the WordPress space is heating up, but I do have the knowledge of how to run a successful blog. So maybe I could apply that to something else as you did with uh, the No Gluten website. Yeah, no. So would, would you think it's a bigger market in this case than the WordPress space? And that's why it also helped it grow so fast. I actually think the gluten-free market is smaller be honest although it might be growing faster to be honest um just because there's so many people it seems to be eating gluten-free now but i think it's mm. smaller but i think like you just said actually is a good point i think one reason is i know how to do some internet marketing and a lot of the other gluten-free bloggers i would say are are more like they're like moms at home writing recipes that they are super successful right now but it's because they've been posting mm. recipes for eight years gluten-free recipes and they didn't know anything about seo they've just been doing it for so long, they are successful now and make a lot of money doing it. And so like you said, you already know so much about how to build websites, all this stuff about internet marketing. You could take that to another niche and probably dominate it more than if you were to start another WordPress similar site. Yeah, I think we forget at times that like in our, our competition within the WordPress space is people who actually know and are reading about marketing and yeah. WordPress and how to make the blog like the best it can possibly be. And other niches like the authors would just be writers at best, you know? Yeah. And they wouldn't have much knowledge of the other aspects where like speed, SEO, technology itself. So that would be a competitive advantage that we could take to another niche. Yeah. Because in the WordPress marketing space, I mean, I sometimes I write a blog on how to affiliate marketing tricks. And then literally I'm just sharing what I'm giving, I'm giving it away to free to my competitors who are just going to use that against yeah. me basically. So <laughs> it's like, it's almost better yeah, take the knowledge, find another niche and where maybe, you know, there's not as many, go where the IT and SEO and marketing people aren't basically. And I think you'll find things go so much faster. Like the gluten-free thing, like that same strategy would have, it would have done not nearly as well if I tried that in the WordPress with the exact same strategy. So there's another question, which I don't know if it might be a bit uncomfortable, but I'm wondering whether, why you chose to work for Kinsta instead of pursuing your, all these other stuff, websites that you have, what makes you so passionate about like your job at Kinsta versus just dedicating all this time to growing your existing websites? Um, so, I mean, before Kinsta, I was at KeyCDN, which is a content delivery network. And then yeah. I've been at Kinsta now for six, seven months. It hasn't actually been very long. Um, one reason I moved to Kinsta from KeyCDN was I wanted to get into WordPress more because um, mm -hmm. KeyCDN was more very developer people, a lot of developers outside of the WordPress niche. And I really just wanted to work with WordPress because I love, I love the community. I love the people. And I love the topic and I use WordPress every single day. So I wanted to get more into that. And I was actually one of Keensta's first customers way back when, when they first started. And I've loved everything they've done since the get-go. And so finally they, they were growing to where they needed someone to do 
what kind of what I love doing is writing, SEO, marketing, um, that kind of stuff. And so it literally was a perfect fit for me transition. Um, and the answer to your question is why I didn't do the other stuff full time was simply because we weren't making enough money yet. Um, and mm-hmm. if I moved somewhere else, to be honest, I could quit immediately. Um, where I live in Scottsdale, it's very expensive. Um, I, I don't mind telling you, but my rent's $1,200 a month. And I'm in a, mm-hmm. I'm in a single bedroom apartment, but it's in a very nice place. And I just choose, I choose to spend some of my money because I really like this area and I love where I live, but it's not, not cheap. You know, you could go, I could live, I could move out of the country probably and find a good place. I've looked and I could easily find places for three to $400 a month and instantly, um, have a lot more money. But my brother and I have figured out, I think how to manage our time, even though we're super busy of how to grow it in the evening still. And so right now we're working actually on like, we have full-time jobs. We're taking the money we make, investing it for our future while we grow our other stuff. Yep. So right now we're just trying to literally make as much money as we can. Um, and it, it might take us a longer with our sites this way, which it definitely will. But yep. um, I think we'll get to where we want to be eventually. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that like there's always this uh, idea of you, you can go abroad and live cheaper. And I, I've actually tried it because for the past six years, I've been like being a digital nomad and living in places like Thailand and Mexico where rent is much cheaper. Like even in Barcelona, it's, I guess, comparable from what you said to to where you live. And obviously living in a big city, it's always expensive, whether it's the US or Europe or even Asia. But uh, I guess at, at the end of the day, being somewhere where you, you, get, you get connected with people is also very inspiring for your work. I mean, I doubt you would have that same productivity in Asia, for example, by like the way you speak about how much effort you put into your work. When you're a country like Asia, and you, can, you kind of get lazy in a, in a, in a sense because, you know, you're suddenly very rich <laughs> compared to the rest. Yeah, right? yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, I probably would just because you don't need to make as much money to just do yeah. whatever you want, basically. Um, and here, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a much harder game. And the other reason I'm here is because I love the weather. I'm, I'm a skinny dude and I get cold very easily. So I love, you know, you know, it'll get to 110 degrees here during the summer and I love it. Um, a lot of people mm. that live here hate it, which is funny, but I love it. When it's over 100 degrees, I love it. Yeah, I'm also a summer person. But you'd find that in Thailand too, so. <laughs> yeah, but there's no humidity here. I think there's a lot of humidity. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've actually been to Prasenomics, which is maybe not so far from there. I'm my, sorry, my geography of the US is not so good, but at least it was in Arizona. So um, the weather was also very dry and uh, and hot. And that's something I like coming from a humid country like Malta, where it gets hot, but also very humid. That was a welcome change. So I I like that kind of weather. Yeah. So it it really depends. I think some people, I know a lot of guys that live overseas that I chat with right now that do their stuff full time on the internet, you know, and they make a great living and they live, live cheap and you know, that works for them. I, you know, I choose to spend a little more money where I live. I really like where I live. So yeah, that's the beauty that we can choose and yeah, you can always change whenever you want. So 
it's a great thing we have and so even like now i've just moved to spain and a lot of people ask me because spain obviously is not in the best economic shape so the first question even when i go like to banks and stuff like why the hell did you move here you know <laughs> is it for work or what and i'm like no i just love the place <laughs> and i get a lot of weird looks you know because people i guess at least in traditional jobs are not used to this idea of just moving somewhere just because you like being there you know yeah yeah and i, I i've grown to appreciate more this sense of of this luxury of choice that we have and being able to live wherever we want thanks to our jobs so yeah it's a good thing to have. Definitely, uh, definitely one of the perks of being a marketer. So another one of your passions is WordPress web performance audits. And I think this is also one of the services that you offer, right? Yeah, right now it's, um, I guess you could say it's probably priced pretty high because I don't actually want a lot of people. I've learned mm -hmm. if you don't want lots of people, price it higher, you'll get just a few. <laughs> and it works. Um, and then you can change prices later. Um, and so I do offer like one, one to one web performance audits for people. And, um, mm -hmm. I'll look through their site, you know, pretty much apply everything that I've learned over the past 10 years to, to their websites. Um, and you know, normally I'll see, they'll see normally 70 to 80% speed increases just because most people have no clue what they're doing. Um, and and so talk, talk me through like a typical client, let's say I come to you with WP mayor. And I want to improve the web performance of the sites. Like what would be the whole process like? Um, so, I mean, first of all, we'd look, you know, give me access to your site. I'd, I'd run speed tests. I do all that stuff. I, I get very OCD about speed at working at a content delivery network and now for a high performance mm -hmm. web yeah. post. I, <laughs> you know, I live that on a, I've lived that on a daily basis for years now. Um, and so I, I literally dig through each HTTP request, like every request I look at, like, what is this coming from? Why is this being called? Do you need this on this page? I literally go through everything. Um, and there's tricks like there's the Gonzalez plugin out there, which is amazing um, plugin um, by this small dev that a lot of small devs out there have awesome plugins that get overlooked sometimes. And it's like 30 bucks. I love it. Um, but it allows you to disable scripts and enable them based on certain pages. And mm, yeah. so I've seen some people like running the Aveda theme, which is known, you know, kind of for being bigger, although it can be fast if you work yeah. at it. But if you run Aveda with, you know, 30 plugins, I've seen sometimes um, drops by a whole two seconds just by using the Gonzalez plugin by disabling, you know, the social media plugin doesn't need to be running on the homepage because there's no social mm -hmm. media buttons. Yeah. Um, so you disable it and the homepage is one of your most important pages too. You should have that as fast yep. as possible. Um, and then like, um, lazy loading discuss. If you use the discuss comment platform, they just did, did this ad thing, which I don't know if you heard about, that's going to be a whole nother controversy. They're now, was this a few months ago or, uh, it's like a month ago. Pizza? They're now charging okay. for oh, the ads. They forced that. everyone. Now you have to pay $10 a month or you have ads in your comments. Not nice. Not nice. Um, the trick I learned though is if you lazy load them, you can get around the ad thing. <laughs> I don't know if they know that yet, <laughs> but it, I'm still using Discuss. I really like it. It saves me time is why I use it. Um, but yeah. So what's the main advantage of Discuss over other platforms? Um, well, in the past, there really hasn't been a good way to lazy load just the native WordPress comments. Like there's been ways to lazy load lots of images and stuff, um, but not mm -hmm. just the comment section. 
And if you have 50 comments with WordPress, by default, you're going to have 50 requests, HTTP requests, mm. for every single one of those Gravatars, stupid <laughs> images. Yeah. And while they're super small, 50 requests um, add up to a lot. That shouldn't be there. And so if you lazy load them, like with this lazy load discuss comment, you can literally just have one request to discuss, and then it doesn't load anything else until you scroll down. And is Discuss the only commenting system that does that in WordPress? Well, actually, the developer that built the Lazy Load Discuss plugin, it's another small dev, which I really like. I've, I've actually worked with him for years and helped him add some features to that by suggestions and stuff. Um, he just put out a Lazy Load native comments plugin, which super lightweight, and it works really, really well. So depending on what happens with this ad stuff with Discuss, I might even be going back to native comments and using his Lazy Load Thing. There are other, you know, third-party comments out there. I think I don't remember the names of them. There's a, like three or four other big ones that are trying to get in there. I, I've, I've tried all of them, and I personally don't like any of them. But that's more of a personal preference too. What are like some of the worst offenders in as regards to plugins or just the way WordPress works that affect speed on a WordPress site? Um, I think one big misconception is the number of plugins. That's actually not the problem. It's the plugins itself. I see so many people on Facebook and groups asking like, um, I, have 50 I have 50 plugins running, please help me because my site's slow. That's not, that's not the problem. I've, like one of my sites, the gluten-free site, has 60 plugins running on it and it loads in under a second. And that's with AdSense on there. It loads under a second. Um, so it's really, it comes down to the plugins you're using and how, how good the developers are that coded it um, how fast the plugins load. And sometimes um, using like the Gonzalez plugin, you can fix even some of that. Um, like the Contact Form 7 plugin. It's a great plugin. It's been there for years. Like millions of sites use it. But for some reason, it loads on every single page of your site. It doesn't mm -hmm. need to do that. Um, I think they do that because a lot of people use it in the widgets too, which mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're doing, and you want it on a widget, it would break if you disable it everywhere else, which makes sense. But really, it should only load on your contact page. That makes logical sense to me. Um, but stuff like that, you know, um, using plugins smart, I guess, or, or is a better way. Um, some bad plugins, I guess. I'm trying to think of some worse offenders. Um, a lot of the social media plugins, in my opinion, are pretty bad. Um, I, mm -hmm. I migrated about a year and a half ago to social warfare, um, okay. yeah, social sharing plugin. And it's the reason, one main reason I migrated was I really liked how they looked. Whoever designed it was, I like that guy. And, and the dev that works on it cared about speed, like from the get go. And he's kept improving the speed, even as he adds new features, like some of his updates in the change logs is like, I move, I removed one JavaScript request. And while a lot of people, other people don't care about that, that actually matters to me. Um, Cause I yeah. can, I can tell like he, he cares about performance and yeah, a lot of other pl social media plugins don't look at that. And it's, they're very bad when it comes to performance. What about like when you're importing social media, like I've seen a lot of people maybe put their latest Instagram shots on the sidebar or Facebook content importing with uh, loading on, on their pages. Is that something to be careful with? Yeah. And is there some some way of optimizing that? Those are horrible, in my opinion. Those, <laughs> I I worked with um, a person a couple of years ago that he ran a music site and he was big on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And immediately he put 
the Facebook widget on there and the Instagram widget. And what people don't realize is every single one of those pictures loads a request and the external stuff to Facebook and Instagram is slow to begin with in itself. Um, mm -hmm. And then it loads all those other requests. And I've seen like just the Facebook widget, like take like a second and a half by itself just to load, um, which is horrible. So like, like just disabling it instantly, I we disabled on the person's site and instantly his site was like a second and a half faster from one thing. Mm. So it's, yeah, I think it, it's really learning what to do. And that's why I do the one-on-one -on -one web performance audits because some, you can't expect people to know, maybe they, they want to focus on their business and they don't, yeah, yeah. they don't know about this web performance stuff, which makes sense. Um, so they'll just pay someone to do it for them. In this case of social media, like imports live or live imports, um, what's the solution that, because obviously if you've got that kind of profile where you're very active on social media, you'd want to show that content in some way on your website. So is there some other way to go about it instead of just, you know, loading it via JavaScript? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we did on that person's music site was, I forget the plugin now, but there's this, there was this Instagram plugin that we used to only load like three images instead of more. Mm, okay. And then on the Facebook thing, we actually took it off and we replaced it with an image that we designed ourselves. It was like an interactive thing that we say, you know, click here to follow us on Facebook. And so then it was just one single image loading instead of this JavaScript and multiple requests within the, the widget. So if, if you want, you know, replacing it with a custom design image is a great solution just because yeah. you can load that from your CDN. It can be super fast. Um, hmm. And there's no way of caching that content that's loaded from Facebook, right? Unfortunately not because it's an external stuff. And so when you port it in, since it's JavaScript, it's really, it's on demand basically. There might be more newer plugins out there now that um, I haven't looked recently because I haven't really dealt with that stuff recently, but uh, I have a feeling it's still pretty bad <laughs> just because it's hard to solve stuff with JavaScript like that. Like it's not meant to be cached. Yeah. I mean, like even with the RSS plugin that we have, it used to slow down websites in the early days when we were just, you know, loading the RSS feed. And then obviously that can be cached. And eventually we started importing the content into posts and, you know, storing it as custom post types. And that is obviously cacheable and sped, sped up the sites a lot more than just fetching RSS feeds right from the page. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Is there anything else that we missed maybe? As far as performance goes, I mean, I think one of the biggest, this might be a little shout out to Keensta here, but um, I think one of the biggest things, and there's other good hosts out there too, but yeah. I think people need to realize that hosting should be an investment. Um, I see so many people complain about why their site is slow and they might even do all these other optimization things and have a slow host. And that's really, um, that's really the biggest part of it is if you have a fast web host and then do optimizations on top of that, that's going to be your best bet. And people, I see so many people just arguing like they don't want to pay $5 a month for a WordPress host. Um, and you know, we at Keensta, we charge our minimum is a hundred dollars a month and you mm -hmm. know, we think of hosting as an investment and we want you to get your site as fast as possible. And that's why we charge more is because we deal with high performance sites, but there's still this huge misconception that people don't want to treat their websites as a business. And I think eventually they learn, but it takes them a while. 
I mean, I, I also encounter people, a lot of people who maybe tell me that like, I don't want, I don't require the managed part of the, this, this hosting. So why should I be paying this higher amount when I could just get a $5 plan or even a DigitalOcean um, setup and do all the optimizations myself maybe. And so I guess the, the, the reason would be that you're not just paying for, you know, the automatic updates or management of, or help within like having customer support, which is familiar with WordPress and all that. I, I mean, you're, you're really paying for a platform that has been customized specifically to WordPress, right? Correct. In terms of performance. Yeah. And like at Keensta, we do caching at the server level. So you don't have to mess with mm -hmm. all these stupid caching plugins, like, which saves you a lot of time right there. You don't have to um, deal with those. Um, and it's in a lot of ways, it's actually faster to do it at the server level. It depends on how you set it up, but, um, for a lot of businesses, it just saves them so much time. Um, and then I used to do a lot of my stuff with Vulture VPSs and Server Pilot, which I, I really still like. They're a great tool yeah. to manage VPSs. But I think a lot of people need to figure out how much time do you spend dinking around with your sites doing that stuff versus if you just paid you know a little bit more per month and it was all done, you don't have to worry about it. That's, that's what eventually I realized and... Um, um, I'm one of those people that likes to optimize and spend time doing that stuff. And I realized I should spend time on making money on my sites, not dinking around yep. with my sites. <laughs> and <laughs> once I did that, I realized well, I can make more money this way. Yeah. And I mean, as we go forward, things are getting more and more complex. You know, like we mentioned, we, we started off in the mid nineties and back then it was really easy to make a website, you know, just put up a few HTML pages. There wasn't much to worry about, but nowadays there's a ton of different little things that you need to be aware of and take monitor basically. So if there's anything that I can outsource and have someone handle it better than I would, that's a win right there. Yeah. All right, Brian, is there anything else that you'd like to mention from about what you're doing or what your plans are for the future? Um, plans for the future, probably growing those three sites as we discussed earlier. Um, oh, and our coupons plugin. We didn't talk about that. Mm. Um, yeah. My brother is actually the main, I say I develop it, but I don't really do <laughs> any of the code other than contribute to what he develop, develops. Um, but we've been building out that this last year and we've seen actually a lot of great growth. We don't do any marketing because <laughs> we don't have time, mm -hmm. fortunately. So it's just grown organically by people telling other people, which is one reason I like the WordPress community is because people like yeah. a product they'll tell other people and you know we've could have grown a lot faster but we're fine with the growth we've seen and we built that plugin for our workup marketing site eventually and we weren't going to release it actually until we got people kept emailing me saying i want that on my site <laughs> and so we decided to turn it into a full-fledged plugin eventually what i'm noticing is that you've got really nice design on all of your websites is that something you do that I, yeah, that I do myself. I went to school for web design. So I, I like to think that helped me maybe a little bit, but I still don't think I'm a good designer at all. But I do spend a lot of time dinking around with the designs, which probably wastes some time. <laughs> um, but that thing, that's one of the important things to me is having a well-designed site as well. Yeah, I, I like having, my impression is, the thing I like is that everything's so readable. So the design is out of your way, but just lets you focus on the content, whether it's a blog or whether it's like a product page that you, you have. 
and I like this, this, these little touches like your, you know, avatars on the Penny Bros website, these little things that make, make the site memorable as well. Yeah. And all those, all the sites we have, even coupons, it's all my theme shop themes. So if you need a good theme mm. that are fast, I, I'm a big fan of my theme shop. Nice. That's the only theme shop I use. And I've, I've tried other ones and I just, uh, my theme shop always makes stuff that's fast, which is important. And they're, they're simple. I really like simple themes. I don't need all the bloat and all that other stuff that those things had. All right. So I guess it's time to close things off. Thank you, Brian, for being with us and for sharing so much good content as you do online on your blogs. You've done the same on this um, episode and I wish you best, the best of success with all your ventures and your work at Kinsta. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be part of it. All right. And if someone wants to contact with you online, where should they find you? Um, I, I mean, I, I live on Twitter most days, <laughs> which is just at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Lee Jackson. Um, so it's not 100% automated. No, no, not 100%. Um, I still check it. But the, the automation is to get responses. That's what I check yeah. is the responses. Because a lot of people message me from those automations, which is why you do it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's to then yeah. start conversations. That's the important part. And so, yeah, Twitter, I, I do stuff on Facebook, although I, I don't really like Facebook. <laughs> so Twitter is where to find me. All right. Awesome. Thank you again, Brian. Hey, yeah, thanks. Hope you enjoyed today's episode with Brian Jackson. As always, you can also send us questions and topics you'd like us to tackle to podcast at mastermind.fm. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe on mastermind.fm. You can find me on Twitter at Jangalea and you can also ping James at James Laws on Twitter. And that's it, basically. Thanks again to Brian. Thanks to you for tuning in. Take care and we'll see you in the next episode of Mastermind.fm.